Welcome everyone to the latest edition of Track Changes. My name is Rich Ziotti, uh, co-founder of Postlight, and I'm here with Paul Ford, also a co-founder and co-host of Track Changes, the of official Changes. podcast of Postlight, the digital product studio at 101 Fifth Avenue in New York City. Rich, how are you at public speaking? I think I'm pretty bad at it, but I'm not nervous, if that makes sense. It's sort of a weird situation for me. You know, one of the things I found about public speaking, I do a lot of public speaking on and off, everyone's willing to review you afterwards. Well, Everybody has an opinion on how you I did. I mean, look what happened. But we've got an expert in the room. Yeah, why are we talking? Why are we even talking at all? We've got Lara Hogan with us today. And Lara Hogan, uh, hi, welcome. Hi, thank you. It's great to have you here. It's awesome to be here. Um, you came in and did an event at our space. I which did. Which was great. Thank you very much. Which it went was great, so much fun. by the way. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. Tell us what it was about. It was, well, it was about public speaking. It was really cool to chat with other people and hear their questions about like what they're nervous about public speaking and, uh, and like how they prepare. And I, I talked a lot about uh, my most recent book, Demystifying Public Speaking, in which I kind of cover that ground. So wait, we should we should take a, a step back. You are a what is your actual job day to day? My actual job day to day is uh, I'm an engineering director at Etsy. Okay, so in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. knit goods, all the regular Etsy stuff applies. Socks. Lots of socks. Yep. And engineers, a lot of stereotypes apply to engineers, but not necessarily known for jumping up on stage in front of 100, 200 people and talking. Totally. Yeah. It's funny. When I, when I first came to Etsy, uh, they really emphasized three different ways to give back to the community, you know, competing to open source projects and writing blog posts on their Code is Craft blog. But then the third thing was sharing stuff back with the community via public speaking. So it's it's been awesome to be a part of like, you know, being encouraged that way. And how long have you been at Etsy? Just over four years now. Okay. So, and you, what were you before you went to Etsy? Before I was at Etsy, I had a variety of front-end development and like, you know, development manager jobs. Okay. Yeah. What was the moment when it was like public speaking? That's, I'm going to just, I'm going to do this. This matters. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. I don't have like a good story. I, I'm asking, you know, people ask me like, what made you get into public speaking? And I wish that I had like a good anecdote. I would make me probably make me a better speaker if I had a good anecdote about how I got into public speaking. But really, it was just something I I tried out to see if you know I would be okay at it, and it went horribly wrong the first time. And well, I was tell, like, tell us about that. Oh, you can't yeah, just walk absolutely. away from that. Yeah. So uh, I was asked, I was invited to come speak at a Drupal conference mm-hmm. about web performance, which was the thing I was writing about a lot of the time. We should tell our listeners Drupal is a, a framework for building websites in PHP. So it's been around forever. The White House, the old one and the new one, their websites are built in Drupal. So mm-hmm. real, if you want to do something a little bit, not just peer publishing, often community oriented, that's one of the open source frameworks you reach for. Yeah. I wasn't a part of the Drupal community, and I'm not, still to this day, I'm not sure how they got my name to invite me to come speak at this conference. (laughs) But they did. So they reached out and said, hey, can you do a talk on how to make websites fast? And I said, sure, that sounds fine. I can do that. Short Um, short talk. Yeah, (laughs) right. Keep it quick. Yeah. Yeah. So as I was standing by the side of the stage, you know, they were introducing me on stage. And and by the way, I hadn't realized that it was going to be a keynote. So I had prepared like a very technical talk that I thought was to a group of people who had chosen, like during a track. How many people? 400 people. Oh, fantastic. Yes. I was already nervous for for regular reasons. Uh, And then I realized um, 
it was to every like you know content managers and tons of different people and they were reading the introduction for me they were you know Lara Hogan is x y and z person and i they were reading the bio of someone who was definitely not me and i realized they had invited they thought they were inviting someone else and had mistakenly invited me what <laughs> someone else at etsy N- no if this was a, a different company but yeah definitely someone else in the web performance like- community it wasn't me Whoa, yeah. boy. They thought it was me. Right. Whoa. Yeah, this that was is horrible. spectacular. It was really bad. And so I went up, I got up on stage and I was, you know, just thrown off my game. And they never turned the lights down so, like, I could see everybody's faces. <laughs> and no one could read my slides because at that time I didn't know you're not supposed to have, like, a black background with slides just in case, you know, the light. It was terrible. And, you know, I fumbled my words. I nearly fell on my face. Uh, I laughed at someone's question during Q&A that wasn't a joke because so I thought they were is, making a joke. This is an actual oh nightmare people have. It was a nightmare. Have. It was a nightmare. People, yeah. like, go to bed and they close their eyes and they're like, I hope I don't have that dream again yeah. where I'm presenting to the Drupal community right. but it's somebody else. And <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was not good. It, it was definitely not my best performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So then after that, I didn't, you know, I, I was able to say to myself, well, that didn't go great. I can see how I could do better. It would also be nice to like be invited for real reasons. To be the person. Right. To yeah. actually be the person they meant to invite. So like, let's see if I can improve on this. <laughs> oh my. I've had, I've had some tremendous flops, but, but being put in the wrong position is, is really intense. It's uncomfortable. It's, like, and what else can you do other than get up on stage and just, just try go. to do your best? You're you know? Yeah, you're in the wings. Yeah. Close your eyes no. and go. You can't be like, sorry, this was a huge mistake. Right. Oh, Never mind. Yeah. See you guys later. Yeah. Okay, so you had a moment in which you were like, you know, I got to get better at this. Yeah. I need more control here. Yeah, definitely. Um, but you also obviously wanted to get out in front of an audience and communicate. Yeah, I felt super strongly about the topic. I really felt like, um, especially this was kind of the time just before responsive design was becoming a thing. And people were being, uh, you know, building really complex websites that could be really heavy and slow. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really important to, like, get out as much as I could to talk about how to make websites fast. It's, you know, it's not hard to make things faster. And so I, I thought it'd be valuable, especially because selfishly, I wanted to visit websites that were fast. You right. know? So I tried to figure out, like, which companies could I go and talk to right. <laughs> about sure. performance to help make their stuff faster. So, so this nightmarish scenario most people would have said, would have come out of that saying, I'm never doing this again. Right. There's no way I'm ever going to deal with this yeah. ever again. Instead, you took it as like, okay, this is the cue right. to go. Yeah, I think like there's this warped part of my personality that's really focused on like achievements, <laughs> you know, so like wanting to get better at things, wanting to feel like I'm achieving things and like growing. And I think that was the part of me that Give was badges. Like, So (laughs) I think a lot about things like, you know, people have my friends have hilariously made custom joke trophies for me, like second to best, you know, speaker in the world. Those kind of like I have. There's an element here, though, where you didn't lie on the ground. You know, you didn't go like, well, I should never do that again. (laughs) Right. Which is would have been a completely sensible reaction. Totally reasonable. And for those people out there who like know that they never want to do that thing or never want to do that thing again. Don't do it. Like this is – I talk to a lot of people who feel obligated to try out public speaking as if like that will help with your career. That's what you should do as like a like a thought leader or something. And I just don't believe that that's true. I think you should do it if you want to like try it out or get better at it. Uh, but you don't – you shouldn't feel obligated to. See, Rich, I don't have to go talk at conferences anymore. <laughs> Listen, Paul Ford. I know. <laughs> 
this is a topic of discussion that probably is a little outside of the scope of this yeah. podcast. We have a marketing strategy deck, and like slide six is just Paul's head. Uh, my <laughs> giant <laughs> head. Oh, God. Oh, um, so, okay. So you're going to get better. And you didn't just get better. You, you wrote a book and have made it a pretty big part of your career. Yeah, yeah. So for me... There was this really interesting thing about public speaking where, unlike most other things, you can't get practice out at, you know, at it without super high-stakes situations. Like, there's no easy way to dip your toe in slowly to public speaking. To get, you know, to know what it feels like, you kind of have to be up on stage. Like, find that spotlight and, like, yeah. take that risk. Rehearsing in the living room no, it's not isn't going to tell you the no. whole story. I mean, it helps. It yeah, helps. it helps. Yeah. I mean, Definitely. it helps in terms of your narrative, but... The experience is the experience. Yeah. And I, I started to realize with all of the p- public speaking that I was doing that I was acquiring, like, tips and, like, things that um, would never have occurred to me uh, before I started speaking. So I wanted to document, like, the weirder things you can do to prepare yourself or the weirder ways that people, you know, have fears. Like, the spectrum of fears with public speaking is enormous. My personal fear is that tripping and falling on stage feeling. And I started to realize as I talked to other speakers, that wasn't what they were primarily afraid of. I mean, everybody's probably afraid of that. But everybody has, like, a different, like, primary fear when it comes to this stuff. Sure. So I wanted to kind of document the spectrum of what those fears are and, like, different ways you could prepare yourself or your environment to, like, either face those fears or reduce those fears or just, like, survive. So you didn't want to trip and fall. What are are other people afraid of? Oh, yeah. So I love this. There's this whole spectrum from, like, body stuff. Like, I'm afraid I'm going to have to pee on stage or, like, that I'm going to puke on myself or sweat through my clothes. I'm afraid I'm going to have to pee on – meaning I need to pee Like, what happens if I'm 15 minutes into my talk and all of a sudden I know I need to – get off the stage and pee. It's okay. a 40-minute keynote. Yeah, she right. said it a little differently. I think <laughs> yeah, the fear sounded like, I'm afraid I'm going to just start to urinate in my pants. I'm sure that that's some stage. people's fears. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I know people, Everyone has their thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I've known people who definitely take you know beta blockers or, or, um, or emodium before yeah, they get on stage. Totally. They're really? Just, yeah, just worried that a total bowel release will occur, and you want to get that out of your head. And you want to oh like prepare God. yourself. You want to yeah. like take whatever is in your control, you should do yeah. that to help you reduce your fear, you know? So there's there's fears about, um, like, being judged. Mm-hmm. Tons of people are afraid that they're going to realize, Which, yeah. You're ha- being judged. Totally. You're like, halfway stage. through your talk, imagine realizing that uh, everybody in the room knows you don't know anything about this topic. Right. Or imagine, like, getting halfway through and realizing you were wrong. About even just a small anything. totally, point, yeah. yeah. Or somebody could ask a question. Totally, you know, And just totally, blow yeah. your thesis yeah. out of the water. That's yeah. many people's fears. Um, a lot of people have, um, you know, especially people who are members of underrepresented groups in our industry, are afraid of the kind of harassment, doxing, aggressive audience members, being judged for what they're wearing versus the content of their presentation or their appearance. You know, it's like there's a whole spectrum of stuff out there. Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely, I mean, if you look at the back channel on dudes, it's not anywhere near as intense as the back channel on women. Yeah. I, I remember once I got told like, God, he's a giant and what's up with that sweater? <laughs> but that's, that's once in 15 years. Right. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to like a ranking system. <laughs> so there was one, I did this, it was a keynote to like 2000 people. It was the biggest talk I had done. And I thought it went pretty well. You know, it was like I was proud of my words. I was proud of my... Where was this? Uh, this was at Velocity Conference. Okay. Yeah. So it was, you know, web performance nerds, my jam. And we should point out, too, if like listeners don't know, web conferences are big. Yeah. Like a, a keynote at a web conference could be a couple thousand people in the big ballroom. It's totally. not... I think when people think about our community, they would assume like a, a Sheraton with 100 people max. And it's yeah. like, right. 
it is it's there's music there's yeah, lights yeah. and and it's pretty pretty intense totally. it's a big community it's yeah. a huge community yeah and it was you know for the, me this particular keynote was a bucket list experience it was like this is this is my crowd uh, i've attended this conference for years i invested so much effort into preparing what I wanted to say and my slides and practicing, getting lots of feedback on all the kinds of things I walked through in the book. Um, And I felt super, it was live streamed, my parents could watch it. It was a whole thing. And I got off the stage and over the course of the next day, I had seven strangers, all men, come up to me and say, effectively, like, I liked the content of your talk, but I have some feedback from you on something else. And that was always my tone. Like, I sounded uh, like a school teacher, or I was too snoozy. I sounded too rehearsed. There was a ton of, like, you had a great message, but... And now, it was, again, now, are you yeah. relying on, a, okay, there's a pattern materializing? Or are you... I mean, because people... No. What sometimes people the, have, like, a bad day, and they, they just pour it out to, to feedback. What I love is that 1,993 people didn't have that feedback. Listen, I looked at my star rating, and it was easily top three rated star ratings for the entire conference's mm-hmm. presentation. Like, I... But of course, but I was help, bogged down. Helpful dudes. I was bogged down by this, like, like almost like relentless through the course of the day, just like strangers walking up to me and like unsolicited feedback, basically. Which, by and large, like we can talk about the validity or not or lack of validity about <laughs> unsolicited feedback. But I didn't recognize that there was a pattern until I talked to another speaker. I said, "This keeps on happening. Was it? Did I not do a good job?" And he said. Wait, they're saying what to you? I've never gotten that kind of feedback before. And then we were in a room with other speakers. We started talking to all these other male speakers, and they said, I would have never heard that kind of feedback. And that's when I started to put the pieces together that there was something else going on. I remember I had a friend who was an opera singer, and men used to scold her when she wore a watch on stage because it distracted from – it made her – she needed to be more ornamental. Wow. And they were just like, yeah, it gets in the way. Like, it's too practical. Don't yeah. don't wear a watch if you're singing opera. <laughs> the one thing I've noticed after is, like, occasionally the feedback I would get would be very, like – you could tell that a person was simply infuriated that I had been on stage instead of them. Mm-hmm. And they needed to articulate and express that. And I would yeah. let them just sort of spill it over me in the bar and then be like, okay, I'll talk to you later and go hide in my hotel room. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that can come out at you. And the motivators are – tend to surface sometimes yeah. and, and the like. Where do you go right after? If I'm in a hotel, I usually just want to get into the room. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. yeah. I know plenty of people who would prefer before and after to like hang out and make small talk to like get their energy out. That sounds like my worst nightmare. Oh, so yeah. I will just go find a hole. I usually spend that time like looking through Twitter for like the conference hashtag or tweets directly at me to see which parts of my talk resonated the most. And so I'll use that to like focus my energy on iterating on my talk and making it better the next time. And that's like where I try to put my my brain. A human being is so incredibly vulnerable after mm-hmm. that experience. Mm-hmm. Totally. And nobody really acknowledges that because they, <laughs> they've seen you on stage. My God, you've just had your moment. Good for right, you. Right. And you just want to get under the blankets. You don't, oh my yeah, God. Yeah, so I, I spend a whole chapter in the book on just feedback, which is a weird thing because feedback is not just obviously about public speaking. But for me, like, uh, Laura, you, I'm yeah. going to interrupt you. Please. We should mention the name of the book. Oh, yeah, thank yeah. you. Great idea. <laughs> and who published it? Our friends at A Book Apart. <laughs> the book is called Demystifying Public Speaking. Yeah, it's a thank wonderful you. length, as are the other Book Apart books. They're these sort of they're very humane. Humane length for a yeah. book. Uh, they're all great, but this is a, this is an exceptional one, and it's available now. 
correct? Yeah. It's yeah. available everywhere online. We'll put a link in the in the post. Yeah, in the show notes, we'll, we'll definitely Thank you. share the link. Thank you. I need Sorry. to get better at figuring out how to market this thing, so I appreciate <laughs> no, it. You're doing it really well. Too much Too much. we've had. Like, when you look at the transcript later, you're like, ooh. Oh, yeah. yeah. Was yeah. this an ad this for this is, person? This is just right. This is yeah. like, let, we'll, we'll get in there. Eased it yeah. in there. Right, yeah. right. Sorry, keep no, going. No, yeah, thank you. So I have this whole chapter on just feedback, um, and I focus some of it on how to get feedback before you give the presentation, because I think it's really valuable. But also there's a, a ton in there about like how to distill feedback. Like when you receive feedback from someone, how do you know if it's actionable and helpful and how do you know when you should just discard it? Yeah. <laughs> so I spend a lot of time on just like, you know, how do you think through that stuff? How do you feel better? How what's, do you use it to improve things? What's the feedback you should discard? Great question. Um, so overall, so I try to think about um, whether something is, is actionable uh, and whether it's more of a reflection on the feedback giver than on me because more often than not feedback frankly and this is not just about public speaking but like in a performance review or really anytime feedback is most often about the giver than the receiver sure yeah you shouldn't just discard things out of hand uh, but definitely say ask yourself um, especially if you have like an emotional reaction to the feedback ask yourself why is it because it was inappropriate it was is it because it was just bad timing uh, is it because like you, you you know you have to like murder your darlings or whatever and that this is one of your darlings so yeah there's like a bunch of like things you can ask yourself to make sure it's valuable sometimes you get crazy eyes Mm. You're crazy. As you oh, can just, yeah. Mm-hmm. You just look into the eyes, and it's crazy eyes. It yeah. depends on the context. This wasn't me, but I remember, like, I used to be an editor at Harper's Magazine, and we there was, like, a, the cover article was about impeaching George Bush, and there was an event at, at Town Hall. And the people who stood up to ask questions after that, it was just, like, laser beams right into your, your skull. Right. It was wild. Do you enjoy it? I do. As I, as I hear you talk, it sounds like it was – it's like you've overcome a lot to get to where you are. Are you at a point now where you're you're like, oh yes, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna put in a talk for this. Yeah, for me, what public speaking does is I feel like I'm giving something to a, like a part of the community that might help them. So my motivator in like most of my work, whether it's like in tech or not, has been like, how can I go and help some somebody with their thing? And so for me, especially when it comes to talking about public speaking, I do hope that I'm actually helping people find their voice or get the courage to get up on stage, especially because we have this super homogenous group of speakers in our industry. And that's going to really, I mean, we're not going to do great as an industry if that keeps up. So my, my book was really written with underrepresented communities in mind. Like, how can I help get more diverse experiences, ideas, voices, et cetera, up on stage to share what they have? You want to get that number up above like 4%? Yeah, seriously. Yeah. 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 So- what, what was the moment when you just killed it, when you just went out there and you <laughs> nailed it? Was it the 2,000 people at the uh... – No, so that's a great that's a great question. So I – there was a moment that was like my most fun moment. I was speaking at a mobile web conference, and I was telling my normal like how to make websites fast talk specifically about uh, mobile websites. And like partway through the talk – I had I'd been there for about two days. I was on the second day of the conference. And so I had a good read for the room. It was like an intimate setting. The crowd was great. It was, I don't know I don't know how to describe it. Like everybody was into it and receptive and was really cool with all the speakers, like engaged and laughing. And about halfway through my talk, I was talking about mobile web fonts, meaning like if you have a bunch of like little graphics, you can use a font to display those those icons. And as I was talking about, like, what you can do with icons to make them faster, I realized I had this story, this really funny story from Etsy. We had had a bug on our website where – so on Etsy, you have individual, like, items listed. You can have a star rating for the item or for the seller. And we had this bug where instead of stars showing up, like, you know, four stars, five stars, uh, a horse head showed up instead. 
And this was because of this bug in our, like, icon font system. And so was, I told this story just like I'm not an improviser. That's I, kind of a great bug. It's a great, mention, it's a great bug, yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, so instead imagine? of stars, yeah. like instead of three stars, you got yeah. three horse heads? You get like, well, just, just, <laughs> it was only for the half star. So you had like four and a horse stars. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's tremendous. It was incredible. It was, so, it's you know. Cool. It's the godfather was, bug. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's like the goofy iOS horse head. It's not like the cool looking horse. It's like the really goofy looking horse. It's it was amazing. Yeah. Did you? You guys fixed it eventually. Yeah, I mean, we had a great laugh about it. Well, most of the sellers actually on the on the site they were they were the ones who were posting in the forums that there was this bug and they didn't know what was going on. Like, did Etsy do this intentionally? Are they trying to be funny? This yeah. is an April Fool's Day, <laughs> and yeah, so it started like this thread of horse puns internally at Etsy, uh, where you know we were all making jokes about this. It, it lives on. We were very like pun focused organization. Yeah. Sure. So I so I told this story and I had a screen I pulled up a screenshot of it and I got like raucous laughter, you know, and I, it was like my most successful moment of improvisation, which I'm terrible at. I can't really I'm terrible at just coming up on the spot with how to how to give a talk. So yeah, I think that's like my highlight. No, that's I can I understand that. It's a high stakes game. Yeah. It is. And you, you, you could get into that improvisational little like, oh this anecdote is fantastic and then right. thirty seconds in you've suddenly lost control of your bladder. That's <laughs> when it happens. Yeah. I want to I want to shift gears slightly to get into your background okay. and your role at Etsy and, and director of engineering tends to imply managing other people. Yeah, I manage managers now. You manage managers now. Okay, yeah. so where are you from? I'm from New Jersey. Okay. Yeah, so pretty close. And did you ricochet around the country before you ended up back in Brooklyn? All up and down the East Coast. I went to school in D.C. and I lived a little, for a little while up in New England and then back down here. Okay. Yeah. So I've worked with man, with engineers. I've hired engineers. I've promoted engineers. And there is that moment. You, you fought with engineers. <laughs> I've wrestled, wrestled. with engineers. <laughs> um, but there is that moment when that engineer is so damn good, you're asking them to actually not be engineer mm-hmm. as much anymore mm-hmm. because you want them to manage other engineers. And it's this sort of existential oh, yeah. leap. So tell me a little bit about director of engineering, managing managers. Yeah. So, so I, yeah. below, the tree below you, how many people is it? Uh, all told, right now it's about thirty-five. Okay, so that's a lot of engineers. Yeah. That's a lot of engineers. That's plenty of engineers for anybody. <laughs> yes, uh, but Laura looks well. Yeah, I'm doing. Yeah, I feel okay. She seems yeah, whatever, happy. <laughs> whatever your engineer management regimen is, it's yeah. It's <laughs> By the way, can I just mention everything I'm hearing about Etsy? It sounds like this really, really happy place where there are like chocolate fountains and. Horse puns. Oh, yeah. There's horse puns. There's very few chocolate fountains only because we're very focused on, like, healthy living. So mm-hmm. there's there's no soda in the office, for example. Oh, Yeah, really? it's like that. Yeah. I remember okay. going over a few years ago for, for lunch, and it was, um, like, a farm cooperative. Everything yeah. was very – yeah, E.T. It was yeah. really nice. E.T., yeah. It was like seven kinds of, of quinoa. That yeah. was really... so it's a, I mean, culture is a big deal for Etsy, yeah. clearly. And, and we're, we're values in, aligned, right? So we're a B corporation, which means that we have like a socially good focus as well as like a financial bottom line. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about managing. I love it. So you I love it. I let's, really, let's just pause for a moment so you, and let that sink in. Yeah. Did you start as a programmer? I did. Okay. Did you love programming? Yeah, it was fine. But not, like, oh, but you was, love management. I do. Okay, yeah. you yeah. love ma- you love managing more than programming. Yeah, that's interesting. Absolutely, that's true. Yeah. Okay. So, and I know um, I work with a lot of uh, new managers. Uh, one of the things that I've done at Etsy was start like a new manager cohort to help make sure people got comfortable as they adjusted to the management lifestyle. So, I've talked a lot with people who are you know going through like that existential crisis, and I find that more often than not, people feel like it's a existential crisis rather than just like 
knowing that this was what they were meant to do. I felt like it was what I was meant to do. Even right out of the gate? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So yeah. you knew you were going to be coding less, and you're like, oh, that's, Definitely, yeah. that's the right path. Were you that. kind of mentory as a programmer? I was. I, I thought a lot about, um, again, this whole like giving back to the community and helping people thing. Like a lot of my engineering focus had to do with like leveling up other engineers. Mm-hmm. Um, but also... For me, it had a lot to do with like helping engineers be better communicators and better teammates. It was that kind of thing. Right. That's unusual. Well, it's also as organizations scale, the soft skills get so important so yeah. quickly. So if you're in a growth environment like Etsy, I could see that just like once they realized you could do that, yeah. it would be very exciting to the organization. Yeah, I started to manage actually before Etsy, and I was terrible at it at first because I didn't really understand why like humans had emotions that I needed to care about. Oh, my God, it's so tricky. Yeah. Yeah. I really, at that point, when I started becoming a manager, I, I realized I wish that everybody was a robot and just functioned logically. Especially than, yourself, yeah. right? <laughs> totally. like, if I could get rid of all my feelings and yeah. needs and just see this objectively. Right, right. Did yeah. you? How did you overcome? This is, let's, let's pretend this isn't an incredibly personal question to me. How did you overcome the need to be liked? Uh, I don't know that anybody actually overcomes that. True. Yeah, okay. that's not. Yeah, that that can't be that can't be possible. So for me, it, it had a lot less to do. Um, like these days, it has a lot less to do with are people going to like me based on this decision that I made, and much more like uh, how can I support people when it gets hard based on this decision that I've made. Okay. Yeah. Right. You might be bringing some bad news. Yeah. Just, just how life is sometimes. Totally. Or what's what I find is worse than bad news is like confusing news or news that I have a hard time owning or like right. believing in. Yeah, that's right. way harder than just bad news. Yeah, managing ambiguity is oh, hard. Gosh, yeah. Because people don't want it. <laughs> no. They don't want you to come and be like, I don't really know where this is going to end up. Totally. Here's yeah. some new information that I have. I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. But then yeah. later they'll find out you've been hiding that information all along. And that wasn't yeah. good either. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that particularly recently. It's funny, I, I'm a like so I typically communicate early and often to people who report to me in some varying degree of like, this is information I need you to not share or you know, some some level of confidentiality. And it's really tricky. You have to really believe that your people are gonna respect that and they're gonna understand why they need to respect that. Sure. So it's almost like you have to have built that trust relationship so that you can share things when they're still messy and still ambiguous and trust that they're gonna know what to do with that information. Yeah, it, it that to me feels like the the highest stakes game. Yeah. It's just you need to be as transparent as possible, but you can create so much confusion mm-hmm. because someone's trying to get their job done, and if you drop an ambiguity bomb on them, they won't know what to do from day to day. And you need them to keep working. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And especially because I manage managers, I need them to still keep their teams healthy. Right. Yeah, it's really tricky. It's You know, the, the communication hopping is a tricky thing. I have a particular position and I need to tell the manager below me, and I don't mean below in a derogatory way, uh, to communicate something to their team. And the manager's just not that bought in to my position. (laughs) And it starts to get either negotiated, Mm -hmm. like, would you mind if I just (laughs) lop off this part of the sentence in the beginning part or whatever, or they stand their ground. And they say, well, I don't believe in and I don't agree with the position you're, you're, you're putting forward here. So how do we get – and then, you, then you've got to work it, right? And then it's totally. a very tricky – and that's one yeah. hop. Imagine like three. There's, right? that, there's also – you have the fantasy of the perfect lieutenant, but that's not always great either. Because no. they're just going to – the person who just executes no. seems like it would be great. <laughs> yeah. But then they go and they execute – and you realize you hadn't thought the whole thing through. <laughs> totally. 
and it's only blood on your hands. Right. It's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, I like. There are moments where I'm like, oh, I wish that everybody was just like me, right? I wish my my direct reports were just like me, and you know. That's a terrible idea because what you need is a bunch of people who are going to push back on you and help you find holes in things and, like, proactively help you work through these, like, super complex, not black and white problems. It's true. You wake up and you're like, I'm going to go in for a day of suspicion. There's just (laughs) going to be so much suspicion. But then on the other side of it, you're like, well, that was really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I've said this way back in one of the earlier podcasts. If if you forced a position on people – that's changing how they work. I'm not going to speak to the advertising community or the medical community. I can speak for the engineering community. If you force their hand on as to work a certain way, whether it be a certain language or a certain platform or a certain whatever. Yeah, we don't do uh, sound effects on the show, but just... You're in for some tough days. That's yeah. just a reality. I, and it may be wrong. It, in your heart of hearts, you know you're, you're ceding to them because it's the hot new thing. Yeah. And they really want to code in it. Mm. But uh, you're in for a lot of pain if you're going to force that decision. Yeah. So it's tricky. I could tell you some stories. You know what I love, though? I do love the – I like watching people turn stuff around and figure stuff out. That's yeah. very satisfying. Yeah. Okay. So you love it, though. I do. I'm, I'm, we're, we're kind of like going yeah, we're, through We could go time. for another an hour and a half about why you love it. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, we are both managers. We, we run a wonderful studio here in New York City, and we thoroughly enjoy managing – everyone inside of it oh we have smart people who challenge us all day all day all day and and, and that's by design and like, we, drive we got the- to construct it on our own we didn't inherit a whole lot mm-hmm. and uh we drive them bananas too yeah well <laughs> yeah. i don't know about bananas at least one What's banana like a calmer <laughs> fruit papaya <laughs> papaya <laughs> uh laura before we started recording i said do you want to cover anything and uh you just said the word donuts Oh, yeah, I did. And I'm like, sure, Laura, we'll talk about donuts when we get to it in the <laughs> podcast. So uh, go. Good segue. Talk to me about donuts. Yeah, very, very organic. This very, <laughs> well, I, I said that because I feel very strongly about – this kind of came up uh, like a few minutes ago, but this achievement-focused thing. Mm-hmm. So one of the trends I saw in myself and, and as a manager I started to see in other people – uh, is like in this industry when we do cool new things, they're often intangible. Like it's very rare that we've done something and you can like physically hold it or like point at it or like you can show it to your parents and be like this cool thing I right. did. An end table. Right. To- yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Except for, I mean, unlike everyone else who sells stuff on Etsy. <laughs> Precisely. That's the yeah. irony of Etsy. Everybody else has actually got a tangible thing. But Totally, yes, yeah. Okay. So I started to realize like as an achiever, I wasn't feeling like I was achieving anything. For me, I'm the kind of person who for whom – Every day starts at zero. Like I could have won the Nobel Peace Prize yesterday, and today I'd be like, "What's what am I doing today?" Right. You know, which doesn't feel good. What am I having for lunch? Right. Right. Yeah. So after one of my talks, I was at an airport, and there was like a Dunkin' Donut, like an airport Dunkin' Donuts, Mm -hmm. and I went and I had a donut, and I sat with it, and I was like, "Yeah, this marks my achievement of giving that talk." And that kicked off. You didn't say that out loud at the airport. In my head, in my heart. Good, good, good. Okay, continue. I mean, I was also at an airport, Dunkin' Donuts. I (laughs) don't think it would have mattered if I said it out loud. In Newark. (laughs) Right, basically, yeah. Uh, So I started this trend of like um, having a donut for every thing that felt like an achievement and then documenting it. So I have this, this page on my on my like portfolio that's 
slash donuts. And so I started to talk about it. And I, what I started to realize was there are a ton of young career-driven women for whom this is the same thing. We never feel like we're accomplishing. I'm sure this is true for men too, but I've heard it mostly from men, women who are like, oh yeah, every day starts at zero. How do I feel like I'm achieving anything? And I'm like, donuts. Interesting. Find your donut. Like it obviously doesn't have to be a donut. Like I know one person for whom like a margarita and a hot tub is their donut. But something that makes you feel like you're like taking a moment to think about that achievement and, and celebrating it. Reward. Donut totally. is very practical though. A margarita yeah. and hot tub is, you know, very you, you got to schedule yeah, that. Yeah. Right. The, but donut, especially when we know that the bar is set roughly at Duncan or Entenmann's level. Totally. Yeah, so it doesn't cuz there could be like oh, I got to go to Doe and right, I got to get a right. special cup of coffee and no, any old donut. <laughs> Yeah, like, literally yeah. any donut. Okay. Yeah, so, so for me, yeah. if I see you with powdered sugar like all over your face, That's today's, my, today's a good day. Yeah, it's a, good a day. constant state of being for me. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> how many donuts then? I was about to a ask lot. that question. A lot. Yeah, good. I consume a lot of donuts. I don't document them all. We also, okay. uh, um, I, when I was in the infrastructure group at Etsy, uh, I learned that the the director of the infrastructure group brought in donuts every Friday. Which meant that, like, every Friday when I had a donut, I thought about what I would have achieved. But also, I ate tons of donuts outside of the achievement donuts. So really, donuts become this sort of overall life metaphor for yeah. progress and totally. happiness. Well, they and, look yeah. like badges, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Except you're eating them. But yeah. they look like badges a little bit. Totally. Well, and yeah, yeah I, I found that like, I started to finally feel better about where my career was going because I was like – not to be able to just document it, but to be able to reflect on it. Like, I can look at my donuts from last year and be like, oh, right, I did Wait, that so there's thing. a journal. There is, yeah. Yeah, there's a Where URL. Where is this journal? Yeah. So first of all, what's the domain name? LaraHogan.me. Slash. Slash donuts. Oh, that's a great domain I name. Mean, I mean, that's a you, you've SEO optimized the hell listen, out of this. I've, I've, I've doubled a brand around the donut thing. Yeah. I mean, it's fair. You're a you're an expert in website acceleration, so <laughs> I would expect the overall donut experience. How does the donut experience launch quickly? You mean like if I go to that page? Yeah, it's very fast. Even on mobile. Even on mobile, it is. It is mobile app. I know yeah. a couple of people who do corporate sponsorships that I could connect you with. There's <laughs> got to be a brand out there that's willing to tie their name to this <laughs> story. One of the best parts about the donut thing is that um, often when I'll go speak at a company or speak at a conference, or actually this happened when I was speaking at Google I/O. That that was the same week I did the, the Velocity keynotes. They they hired me a car to take me from one conference to another because it's Google, and they put a box of donuts in the back seat for me because they nice. know yeah so like it's know. getting around yeah oh, it's wow. like a thing that people know about so people give wow. me donuts I mean now. they also probably just checked your personal profile and web history in <laughs> yeah probably yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> totally yeah she's looking for donuts near me wow yeah. 30,000 donut queries yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well you know guys yeah totally so I, I have a question which is if I want to get started let's say I have been told I'm going to give a little talk to 20 people at my company. I've got this product I need to talk about. It's my first opportunity to do this fairly young person. What do, where do I get started? Obviously, I go purchase your book called Demystifying Public Speaking <laughs> from you. a book apart. <laughs> but let's say I haven't quite done that yet or I'm not ready I mean, to invest in an ebook. I mean, related to your, your setup here, I mean, it looks like an instruction manual. I think that's what's kind of cool about it. Like, it doesn't look like, you ever see those like Oh, those, those books with the words? <laughs> no, no. I'm talking about the ones at the airport, speaking of airports, and yeah. they're like, you know, crushing it. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. 700 pages, no. and it just shows a guy holding 
big bricks. You know what they like too is <laughs> the, just... the Delta Force guide to conquering yeah, public speaking. Yeah, it's like an, a former army general yeah. who wants right. to talk about business and. He's killed over 36 people, and now he's going to tell you how to kill the <laughs> yeah. competition. Right. right. Oh, yeah. gosh. Yeah. yeah. So not that. It's not that. It's um, I really stayed away from philosophies. Like, I really stayed away from, like, inspiration. It's practical. It's super tactical. Yeah. yeah it definitely gives you things you can do, uh, depending upon what it is that you, like, have a fear about. So I'm young, I'm scared, and I yeah. have to get up in the next two days and right. give a talk. Where do I start? Oh, gosh. So let's pretend like this person already knows what they're what they're talking about. And like let's say that they've got like a draft like slide deck put sure. together. Okay. So the first thing I would tell them is like pick your feedback crew. Who who around you are probably at your company like do you rely on to give you good feedback? Let's go ask them how this is sounding. Yeah, this is like for me like the number one thing that can help you prepare and practice and feel better. Feedback Susie, crew. Sam and Jared, let's get into this conference room. Totally. On let's huddle. Okay. Yeah. At two p.m. Yeah, and you say to them, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this run through. Here's the kind of feedback that I'm looking for. Does this make sense? Uh, is this what's expected of me? Am I doing anything weird with my hands? Like, pick some things that you want them to give you feedback on. Because you know how bad you are, right? Yeah. And you probably know what it is that you want to get better at. But also, we are as humans are really scared of receiving feedback. So having that list tells you you can prepare your brain for what feedback you're about to hear. True. Rich has been telling me he has a piece of feedback for me all day, and I've been telling him to wait. That's yeah. perfect. So that's I haven't a shared pro it with move. him yet. That's a pro move. So so doing that ask. Which is the pro move? Telling uh, me to wait or me telling him? Well, tactically both. But saying so saying <laughs> to someone, I have some feedback for you is now an okay time to give it. That actually is this, this studied is like a physiological response we have when we say, yeah, sure, now is a good time. It actually opens up our brain to be way more receptive to feedback. Our amygdala gets dehijacked. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So you good are, job. You're waiting for me to dehijack my amygdala. I yeah. think that's not his plan, Laura. I think his plan is to, to hope never I'm going to forget Maybe it. Maybe to go home. Yeah, no, I I know better. He will not forget it. Rich has a, an amazing tell when it's feedback time, which is, <laughs> can I make an observation? Ooh. Yeah. It's terrible, Well, we can't it? we can't use it in the organization anymore because everybody's heard it. You notice I don't say it anymore? No, it's done. It, you killed it. I, I killed it. Yeah. So, What do you um, say instead now? I just say the feedback. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Dude, your hair. Yeah. It's standing okay. weird. Yeah. We <laughs> could, we, this is my hair in particular. Rich once told me that I look like an expensive bird. Fascinating. Yeah. That uh, sounds specific, but maybe not actionable. Open, exactly. Or flattering. I, I mean, it's not, I didn't mean it in an unflattering way. You ever see like really expensive, I don't, expensive sounds like you have to buy them, but like exotic. I meant the word exotic and I said expensive. Let's move away from okay. Regardless, so, I had but, to go buy a lot of gel. So if, I, so if, I'm, telling, if I'm talking to my feedback crew and I'm saying, here's what, here's what I want to hear feedback on. Uh, if you also have time, I would suggest describing what good feedback looks like or sounds like. And that is the specific and actionable feedback. So I, I, I'll give examples. Are you examples. a compliment sandwicher? Please, God, no. No, okay. absolutely no. Yeah. And like that is classic feedback giving because we as feedback givers are so afraid of like hurting someone's feelings or triggering them or like, you know, making them uncomfortable. Sure. So Natural. we often do compliment sandwiches in, as humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think Etsy sells that. compliment sandwiches. It does. They're little <laughs> they happen knit. to be knitted. Yeah. But <laughs> it's a sweater. It's and a sweater. compostable. Yeah. And compostable. It's a sweater. There's a compliment on the front and one on the back. <laughs> it's a poncho. Oh, yeah. Lord. Yeah. So, right. So I um, in the book, I explain uh, this system that I learned from a company called Life Labs that's also in New York using suits of cards. So hearts and diamonds is feedback that's positive. Hearts is like, good job. It's like not specific or actionable. Uh, But a diamond is like, I specifically think that you talked really um, professionally and eloquently about this topic. It was really easy to understand you. That's a diamond. Okay. Then there's like clubs and spades, right? This is like constructive slash negative feedback. A club is like, 
you're terrible at this. And a spade is like, um, I got really bored during this part of the presentation. Maybe a visual would help me stay stay more focused. Very helpful. Yeah, that is go. very helpful. Yeah. Great. So, so your friends give you these cards virtually and, and yeah and you can also choose when you want to receive like maybe you're the kind of person that uh, it's really scary to receive feedback like face to face you can ask for like uh, an email to be sent with you from sent to you from your feedback crew or maybe like ask them to like submit an anonymous google form that you've set up for them you know any way that would make you feel the most comfortable to receive that feedback gotcha so just get in there and yeah. figure it out and people will always work with you on things like that. Totally. And they'll spend all of their energy focusing on like creating specific and actionable feedback so they will be less scared of just giving you feedback at all. Is there a YouTube video of you giving a talk that people could go look at? There is. If you go to larahogan.me, you can see a bunch of different videos of talks. Oh, great. great. Yeah. And if you type in slash donuts. Yeah. An incredibly accelerated donut page. All right. Well, this is all way more valuable than really any other guest we've ever had. (laughs) Thank you. That is actually a great diamond. I really appreciate it. That's good. Normally, it's all just spades and (laughs) what's the other, the bad compliment? Club. 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 Spade. Yeah, Yeah, okay. So This is one um, of the most delicious pages on the internet. Oh, did you pull it up? Was it fast? I pulled it up. It was very fast. And uh, it's just joy and donuts. That's great. <laughs> As I take a cursory scroll. I will say other people have created their own donut pages. Sometimes it's cupcakes. Sometimes it's beers. It's, Whatever It makes works my day for... to like see other people's yeah. donuts. Sure, yeah. sure. This is great. Uh, All right. Public speaking, donuts. Yeah. The book is called Demystifying Public Speaking. This was great, Laura. Thank you. We this got to great. know you a little bit. And we also got some great advice out for what? people who want to speak publicly. I have to say, just as an observation of the event. An observation, um, you say? Oh, shit. <laughs> Go ahead. Perfect. No, let's perfect. Give, us your, uh, give us your club. I, yeah, I was really blown away by the how hungry people were for this feedback. Yeah. There, people were so eager to get guidance and advice on this stuff. Because, you know, I think it's more than just I think this is going to further my career. I think this is sort of, I think people see it as sort of personal development in some ways. Is like yeah. just, I, don't, I think we talked about giving talks, but I think people are talking about how do I speak to a room with six people in it? Totally. And this book is, is written such that you could not just do conference talks. This is for any time you have like a metaphoric right. spotlight on you. Yeah. And uh, so very helpful. Thank you. And very empathetic, Thanks. I have to say. Oh. Final question. Yeah. What's your favorite kind of donut? Old fashioned. Give me okay. like a like a diner donut that's like an old fashioned. To dip it into coffee? Absolutely. Or hot chocolate. Yeah. All right. I think we know. I think <laughs> we're ready. Dip into an old fashioned into coffee. I don't know. Let's just go give a talk somewhere. You ready? Let's go. Okay. Thank you, Laura. Thank Thanks. you. Well, Rich. She's just cool. Yeah, honestly, that's a very cool person. It's just a positive cool person. You know what I like too is that the whole thing is built on top of incredibly fast web page speed. Like this was someone who who said I need to communicate about how to make the web faster and better. I'd better go become a better communicator. Yeah. That's cool. And and she just I think she will just find energy in anything. That could easily lead you down a bad path making web pages faster. You could it never <laughs> you could end ends. up a very dark person. It never <laughs> ends, right? Yeah, no. This is someone who is like, "You know what? Yeah. I'm going to make this Good for the world. Yeah. Uh, so we should tell people that this is Track Changes, the official podcast of Postlight, a digital product studio at 101 Fifth Avenue in New York City. I am the co-founder of Postlight. My name is Paul Ford. 
And I'm Rich Ziotti, the other co-founder. And if you want to get in touch with us, we love questions. We love everything. We've really. been getting great ones lately. Actually. Yeah, we need to do another uh, question and answer And show. comment. Some, mm-hmm. some are just comments. <laughs> so uh, rate us on iTunes if you'd like. Five stars is good. It's a nice place to start. And we look forward to talking to you soon. Any questions? You send them to... Hello at postlight.com. That's an email address. Follow us at Postlight Studio if you want to on Twitter. And we will see you really soon. Rich, let's get back to work. Have a great week. Bye, everybody.